Please turn in your New Testaments to Colossians 3, 12 through 17. We have come back to the book of Colossians. We looked at Colossians all last spring. Next week, we'll be looking at Christ-filled marriage, then Christ-filled parenting, Christ-filled vocation, and then Christ-filled ministry. That's where we're going here in the fall and looking forward to that. And while you're turning, I want to uh, greet all the folks that are here from Ohio We've got a good group here, and uh, we welcome you, and we appreciate all the support that you've given to Lee and Diane, and uh, for letting them come down here. We love them, so we welcome you. We are entering into really a presbytery meeting now, and not just a worship service, and so the the thing that's required is to preach the Word of God in a a way that uh, connects with ordination, and I trust we'll do that. From Colossians 3, 12 through 17, and this is the Word of God. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. When I asked this question in the beginning of looking at this passage, what is the grace of Jesus Christ supposed to look like in our lives? Now, the Scriptures answer this question in many different ways at different times and different points in the Scriptures of of this way that it looks or that way that it looks. This morning, the Scriptures answering in a very interesting way that I think we can all grasp. I know when I was 14 years of age and my father passed away, I only had my mother and my sister to live with. And so I'm used to living around women. I had a few male roommates uh, in college, and then when, when Gina and I married, we've only had daughters. And so from 1976 until this day, I have pretty much lived just around women. Therefore... And I'm here to tell, I live to tell about it, here I am. Therefore, the idea that certain clothes go with other certain clothes and that certain things make an outfit and other things don't make an outfit, this is not strange to me. (laughs) And it's very normal in the Scriptures as well. And it's very normal in the sense of living out the gospel of Jesus Christ and ministering the gospel in His name. And so I ask the question of you, are you wearing the right clothes? Can people see the clothes you're wearing and see something about you 
because of the clothes you're wearing. Now, in Revelation 6, and particularly in Revelation 7, there's this wonderful picture of all the folks that know Christ at the end. And they are with palm branches in their hands, and they are praising the Lamb, and they have been clothed by God in white, dazzling, perfectly white robes, symbolizing the righteousness of God given to us. You know, when you put your trust in Jesus... Because of his sacrifice, you're not only forgiven your sins, you're actually clothed with the righteousness of God. So God looks upon you and he sees Christ's righteousness. So we have that piece of clothing, but that's not the only clothing the scriptures say that we wear. Here in Colossians, we learn that there are other kinds of clothing that we wear. There's the clothing that God places on us, this robe of righteousness, and then there's the clothes that we put on that say whether our lives are congruent with that righteousness that God has put upon us. There's a popular woman's speaker slash author slash video teacher that we've uh, discussed from time to time in our staff and uh, only to say that that one of the ladies in our church one day called her, she said she is the most accessorized woman in Christendom. So maybe y'all know who this is. I won't name a name, but she's the most accessorized woman in Christendom. Now, I think what they mean by that is she really knows how to use earrings and necklaces and bracelets and shoes and thingies and scarves and everything else that, um, that she's able to kind of adorn her clothing in a, in a, in a beautiful way. And, you know, it says, sure enough, in the New Testament that there are these different kinds of clothing. The kind that clothes our nakedness and our sin and the kind that goes on top of that. Titus 2.10 and 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4 speak about how we are to, quote, adorn the gospel. It's not that the gospel is not sufficient. It's how our lives show forth the beauty of the gospel. Kind of accessorizing, if you will, what the gospel robe looks like in our life, that people could look at us and see something from our lives that really reminds them of Jesus. That's the point with the clothes that you put off, the clothes that you put on, that people are actually able to see it. They recognize God's grace by the clothes you're wearing. They see and recognize Jesus Christ. One of the more modern translations of verse 12, I, I really think this is great, says... Dress in the wardrobe that God has picked out for you. Remember when you were little and you didn't know how to mix your clothes real well and you didn't know what the, the right outfit was? Your mama would lay out your clothes at night for you so all you had to do was put them on. And Paul is saying, you know what? We need to wear the clothes that God has laid out for us. So Lee, what clothes do you want to wear as a newly minted PCA minister I will never forget the last day of class of the speech class, uh, my second year of seminary, a lady named Buey Bowden. Many of y'all probably know Buey Bowden in town. She's a pretty famous lady. She used to come and teach speech. And basically what she would do is we would talk. That's the reason I don't do this anymore when I talk. She said, don't do that. Don't put my hands in my pocket when I talk. Don't do that. And all these don't do's and don't do's. And we, I'm eternally grateful for Buey Bowden. But at the last day of class, she said, she said, gentlemen, before we all leave, do you mind if I took a moment to say something to you? 
that's more important than anything I've ever said to you about speaking. We said, of course, Miss Bowden. She said, well, I, I'm very happy uh, if you can speak better the gospel because the gospel's worthy of speaking it better. But there's something more important than speaking it better. And she went on to say, and I say this as a lay person who sits and listens to preachers. And I will never forget this. It's burned into my soul. She said, gentlemen, before you can be a good pastor, you need to be a good man. You need to love Jesus. Not just having the righteousness of Christ, but being clothed with what reminds people of that righteousness, you see. What clothes are you wearing? I asked that to the entire congregation. Lee, if you were to wear, and I know this is your heart, if you were to wear the clothes that God has laid out for you, God will do great things through your ministry because people will see Jesus in you. There are three things I want us to see from the passage that these clothes bring first a demonstration of the sacrifice of Jesus. They bring a sense of the pursuit of of the love of Jesus. And lastly, they, they bring a sense of the motivation to live for the glory of God in the gospel of Jesus. The first thing we learn about these clothes is they really demonstrate the sacrifice of Jesus. This basically is Jesus sacrificed for us so you go correspondingly and live a life sacrificial like Jesus. And the list, there's a list right before our text. If you look down to verse 5, that's a list of things we need to put away. And I'm going to read to you the list. But I, as I read these two lists, I want you to listen out for, for the, the dimension here. And the dimension is the first list is all about me. It's all about selfishness. It's all about getting what I want. The second list is all about you. It's all about serving God. It's all about self-sacrifice and other-centeredness. The first list begins in Colossians 3, 5, put away sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Verse 8, but now you must rid yourselves of all things such as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. You get the feeling that's all that kind of selfishness. And then in our text, we see what Paul says to put on. And I want you to listen for the self-forgetfulness in this list and the, the self-sacrifice like Christ. Verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. You see that? That's what you reach out and give somebody. Kindness. Humility gentleness, patience, bear with each other, and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love that binds them all together in perfect unity. And we see that this is very much like Jesus. In fact, we, if we had the time we could go point by point and just show how the Lord Jesus in His life and ministry demonstrated the, the self-sacrificing, beautiful characteristics. This verse, of course, is for believers at large, for us to live, put on those clothes 
that are congruent with the gospel and show people the grace life within our hearts. But Lee, anyone wanting to be a leader among Christians must closely look at these clothes and closely look at the clothes that you are currently wearing and that I and, and all of us are currently wearing and, and, and repent of the me-centeredness that is so easy in the pastorate, by the way, and, and move toward that other-centeredness, that Christ focus. Is it about me? This is a question for all of us. Or is it about others? Is it about me? Or is it about Christ? Christ left heaven to become one of us, to give himself for us. And he correspondingly calls each one of us to give ourselves for him and for other people in love. Demonstration. The demonstration of the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. That's what the clothes look like. Humility, patience, kindness, etc. The second thing is the pursuing nature of these clothes. The, 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 The pursuing nature of God's love. Look at verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, I kind of just skated over verse 12 a moment ago just because I wanted to get into the the clothing. But I want to go back and I want to show you that the reason we know God is because God wants us to. Verse 12. Look at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people... Holy and dearly loved. You see, he's saying that as believers, we are the objects of of God's love and his initiating. He, He wanted us. He picked us. He reached out to us before the foundation of the world. God chose us because he wanted to. That's how much he wants us. And God not only chose us, But God, at the right time, sent His only Son, the second person of God, came and took our sin upon Himself, became one of us, and died an excruciating, savage death on a Roman cross, punished ultimately on our behalf. Right? Jesus sacrificed. But do you know, He died that death because of us. Because of our sin. If you want to know why Jesus is on the cross, then look in the mirror. And we see Christ crucified. We see Him in utter agony saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we just gasp in in wonder, almost unable to grasp the full meaning of why He would do all of that except for He wants us. And do you know after all that we caused Him, do you know what He did? He came after us. He pursued us. And He sent His Word to us. And He sent His Spirit. And He called us. And He opened our hearts, brought us to life, and gave us the faith. And this whole thing called salvation, y'all, is from God from first to last. It's called free grace because it really is from God, this pursuing God and He forgave you. And He loved you. And you know what Paul's saying? Is this. You know, these things we put on are self-sacrificial. 
But go get them. Bear with each other. Put your hands on those people that you need to get right with. Forgive whatever grievances you have with one another. This is not couch potato spirituality. This is pursuit with the grace of God for people. Forgive them. Love them. Just as God in Christ loved us. Pursue with love so that people will want to be together. When there is a body where there is love and pursuit, then there is unity and there is joy. 1 John 4.11 says, If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Above all else, Paul says, put on love. Or we might say this, love. It just makes the outfit. It just makes the outfit. Lee, if you would be a minister like Jesus, you would not only sacrifice and demonstrate an other-centeredness and a Christ-centeredness, you must pursue. You must go after people. You must lay hold of them and love them and show them the actual love of God for them, the relentless love of God. You must not give up on people. You must pursue them and act out the gospel. Forgive them and love them. You know, as a preacher, you're going to forgive a lot of people, and when you mess up, sometimes you're not going to be forgiven. Don't let that discourage you. Keep loving Keep pursuing because that is the essence of what the love of Jesus is. Those are what the clothes say. So, our clothes talk about a demonstration of the sacrificial love of God. Our clothes that we put on talk about the pursuing love of God. But finally, they talk about a motivation to live for God as well. Verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. The peace of Christ rules in our hearts because of this righteousness given and motivates us to love others in His name. In fact, the Greek word for peace here kind of has the picture of an umpire. The ruling, it's like a ruling You know, I'll modernize this. An umpire says you're either out or you're what? Safe. You you can talk with me. The ball is either foul or it's fair. You know what's so great about the gospel? Every morning when we wake up, every morning it is under the smiles of God because of the righteousness of Christ given to us. Every morning of our lives, God says, safe. Isn't that great? And when we believe the gospel, and, and that is what we believe, that peace begins to rule safe 
in our hearts. And, and we are able to not only love people, but we want to spread the peace of the gospel. And I'll tell you how we do that. We do that not only by our life, as we're talking about loving them sacrificially. Oh, that's what Jesus is like. Pursuing them. Oh, that's what Jesus is like. Then we get to that wonderful point in the text where we talk it to. Let the word of Christ dwell within your heart richly. That we show and tell the gospel in ministry because we don't know what God is like. We don't understand all these beautiful aspects of life in Christ without the Word of God. Let the Word dwell richly in you, maintaining the sense of peace. And Lee, God's people need to be taught with all wisdom and with warning. With wisdom and with warning. That is, teach and admonish. Teaching meaning just say what the text says. Talk about how God is at work. This is what God is to us. This is who He is. This is what He wants to do. But admonish. And admonish is also a warning. If our lives are over here in just the selfishness, And the mud, it's time for somebody to say, that's not the life, those aren't the clothes, they don't fit you. Take them off, repent, put these clothes on. These are the clothes of peace. These are the clothes of love. These are the clothes of joy, you see. Now, God's people want to be taught, right? Let me ask you another question. Deep in your heart of hearts, Is it not true that you also want to be warned? Yes? Lee, they said yes. (laughs) They said yes. Because man doesn't live by bread alone. Man doesn't live by what he can eat, what he can hold, by money, by anything else, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Just as God Himself said in Hosea 6.4, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Let the Word of Christ dwell richly in you and teach and admonish with all wisdom. The peace of Christ motivates us, Paul says, when the gospel is proclaimed to be thankful. What happens is that click, that kind of oh yeah moment where we say, oh yeah, Christ, my peace. Oh yeah, God, my Father. I remember now, it is going to be okay. As I walk with him. But there's something very beautiful here. And it is where the title of the sermon comes from. I don't even want to ask how many of y'all read the title. We work on our titles. Um, It's where ministry turns into music. You see, where there is sacrificial love, where there is relentless pursuit in love, where peace rules and where the word of God is taught with wisdom and admonishment. You know what? how people respond, Lee? They respond with music in their hearts and praise to God and thanksgiving. Let the word, verse 16 of Christ, dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And I know we don't have the time to talk about the difference between psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, but it's just how we are caught up in wonder, joy, and praise. Dick Lucas said in his treatment on this passage, a gospel of grace must be echoed by songs of gratitude for that grace. 
must be echoed. My friend Scotty Smith taught me many years ago that Presbyterians really understand what he calls the lyrics of the gospel, meaning the theology. We do know that God chose us from the foundation of the world. We do know that just at the right time, God sent his son. We do know about the atonement, um, Jesus dying in our place. We do know about those things. And we get the lyrics of the gospel. But he says, you know, sometimes we Presbyterians don't always get the music of the gospel. That this isn't something we just teach so people can know it, right? And I know that's your heart, too. It is so that there can be peace and joy and wonder and gratitude. It turns, ministry turns into music, gospel music in our souls. Lee, do you want the ministry that God is entrusting you with to turn into beautiful music? Brother, we would love to sing along with you and with you, Diane, an equal partner in this endeavor. And then finally, that great verse on motivation and whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Lee, he died for you. He pursued you. He has given you peace. He's given you the word. He has given you a calling that we are physically and outwardly confirming here today what the Spirit's been doing in your life. And as a minister of the gospel, put on the clothes that God has laid out for you. You already have the righteousness of Christ. Put on the clothes that He's laid out for you. Let it be about Him, Lee. Pursue people in the name of Jesus and in His stead. And teach and teach and teach and admonish. But always out of an incarnational ministry that shows the gospel because of the clothes you are wearing and turns into music. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would bless our brother and all of us as this is a one another command. God, would you give us that sense of wonder about your grace and a desire to put on the clothes that you've laid out and music. Let there be in this church the music of the gospel. We pray in Jesus' name.